Well, amen. Great message today in song. Thank you, ladies, for blessing us with that. Thank you, Brother Tyler, for following the leadership of the Lord. I'm going to try to do that today. For the last three weeks, we have been in a series of messages on stewardship. And I've been preaching those in connection with our theme for this year, All In. As a choir practiced that song again Wednesday night, and I know they were just leading of the Lord to do something different this morning than what I'd intended to do. I'll actually wrap up that series tonight uh, during the service. I just really felt like the Lord had something else for us this morning, and I I never know why he, he does what he does. I, I never tried to figure him out. He knows. And uh, so we'll just go with what I, I believe the Lord would have us to do this morning. So I'm going to invite you to join me in Romans chapter 8, as Brother Tyler announced earlier. This chapter has been called the clearest gospel of them all. It has been called the most excellent part of the New Testament. One writer of our day said it's Michelangelo's David, it's Da Vinci's Mona Lisa, it's Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. He said it's Lincoln's Gettysburg Address. We know it as Romans chapter 8. Now, once you find your place there, I want you to do something for me this morning. I want you to pick a date, any date, it doesn't matter what date you pick, as long as it's after February the 5th, 1980. Okay, I'm not going to ask you to share anything or say anything about the date you pick, so you pick whatever date you desire for whatever reason you desire, but just make sure that it's after February the 5th, 1980. Now right, you have your date, raise your hand. I'm not going to call on you. you. You got a date in mind? All right. If she were here, a woman by the name of Jill Price, if you stood up and said what date, that you had in mind, she could tell you what day of the week that was. She could tell you any major event that may have taken place on that day. She could even tell you what the weather was like on the day that you chose. Now, for some of us here, like me, our problem is remembering, but Jill Price's struggle is forgetting. She has a rare condition called hyperthymestic syndrome that has resulted in automatic autobiographical recall of every single day of her life from the time she was 14 
years old. How many of you remember the date? Okay, time out. Young people, stay right where you are. Us older folks are going to go on a journey here, okay? We'll be back, I promise. You just hang out there, behave yourselves while we're gone. How many of you remember the date that who, the Who Shot JR episode was on Dallas? Not, ju- not just that it aired, but the date that it aired. Jill Price knows that. How about the All in the Family baby episode? Jill Price knows the exact date that that aired. Any MASH fans here? Stay tight, we'll we'll be back. Any MASH fans here? Come on. A few of you? Yeah? Have you remember when the last episode of MASH aired it was february the 28th 1983 jill price remembers that that was a monday she remembers that it was a very rainy day because her windshield wipers stopped working all right we're coming back to most of us That kind of memory would be awesome, especially if you're trying to remember names or birthdays or passwords, (laughs) or if you're on Jeopardy. But there is a downside. There's There's a dark side to a memory like that. In her memoir, The Woman Who Can't Forget, Jill Price writes this, imagine being able to remember every fight you ever had with a friend. Every time someone let you down. All the stupid mistakes you've ever made. The meanest, most harmful things you've ever said to people or they've said to you. Then imagine not being able to push them out of your mind no matter what you tried. She goes on to say this, as I grew up and more and more memories were stored in my brain, more and more of them flashed through my mind in this this endless barrage and I became a prisoner to my memory. A prisoner to my memory. Think about that. For some here today, maybe you've been living in that prison for many, many years. And though you've confessed your sin, you still feel condemned. You keep beating yourself up and you keep sabotaging your own life and you keep believing the self-defeating lies that become uh, self-fulfilling prophecies. If you find it hard to live in the present because you feel trapped in your past, 
If you still feel shattered and broken and dirty, God's got good news for you today. And it's found in our text. And here's the essence of what Paul said in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. Listen to me this morning. You lost your past when you found his presence. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. Let's read it again. There is therefore now. Everybody say now. Now. Say it again. There is therefore now. No condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. I pray that God helps you embrace this truth today. There is no, I mean none, nada, zilch, zippo, Not a trace, not a hint, not a whiff of condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now that's not to say that we were never under condemnation because we were. You see, before we came to know Christ as our Savior... We were most certainly, absolutely condemned. Jesus tells us that. He told Nicodemus that in John chapter 3 and verse 18 where he he said this. They'll bring it up on the screen. John chapter 3. He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not, Jesus said, is condemned already. And here's why. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You see, during those days prior to our salvation, prior to our believing in Christ, we were living under the just condemnation of sin. As a matter of fact, the first seven chapters of Romans talks all about that. If you were here Wednesday night, we had a a guest pastor, Pastor Bill Marshall from St. Joseph, Missouri, and he preached from Romans chapter 7. And in the first seven chapters of the book of Romans, here's what we learn. We're told that by virtue of Adam's sin, we were all condemned. We're told that we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God and that there is none righteous, no, not one. We're told that the wages of our sin is death or eternal separation from God. Before we came to Christ, let's just put it out there where it is, we were a mess. We had no hope outside of a right relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. But then something happened. One day we heard the gospel. And we were made to realize the mess that we were in. And we were made to realize our awful state. 
I'm, I'm talking about the day that we fully grasp the truth in our hearts that indeed we were condemned sinners desperately in need of a Savior. And we believed in our hearts and we confessed with our mouths the Lord Jesus and we called upon his name to save us and he did. That day is the day that everything changed for us in terms of our standing before God. That day, the day that we received Christ as our Savior is the day that we stepped into the reality of Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 that says there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Listen, church, that's us. If you're saved today, you are in Christ. And there is right now, this very moment, absolutely, positively, no condemnation. But pastor, if there's no condemnation, then why do I still feel condemned in a word Satan the Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren condemnation is his native tongue listen believers Satan loves to remind us over and over again of everything that we've done wrong. Why? So that all of our emotional energy is spent on past guilt. But there's no need to feel guilty because of past sins. No, no, listen, if those sins have been confessed, then they have been forgiven. According to 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9, look at what John wrote under the inspiration and the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God. This is not his, his opinion. This is the word of God that if we confess our sins, that is if we agree with God that our sin is sin, then he, God, is faithful and he's just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen today, we've already been acquitted of those wrongdoings and we cannot be tried twice for the same sin. There is no double jeopardy. And I want you to understand this morning that the force of the no, in no condemnation, cannot be overstated. It is an absolute negation of our guilt. 
once confessed, our sins are forgiven, forgotten. What, church? Forever. They have been nailed to the cross, and the hammer of God's grace has no claw. Listen, if anybody, if anybody had regrets about their life before Christ, it was Paul who wrote the words that we're reading this morning. Prior to his coming to Christ, prior to his moment of salvation, he was known as Saul. We know him today as, as Paul, and if you know anything about his life, you know this. He was equivalent. This is not an exaggeration. He was equivalent to our modern-day terrorist. He hated Christians, and he made it his daily goal in life to arrest and imprison and in some cases even kill as many believers as he possibly could. And only eternity will tell how many families were torn apart as Paul and his men barged into their homes arresting mom or dad and maybe in some cases mom and dad for the simple crime of being a follower of Jesus Christ. But then one glorious day, while on a road trip to Damascus, Paul met Jesus. And that day was the turning point in Paul's life. That day he stepped into the reality that he would later write of that there is now therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. He eventually became one of the greatest missionaries that this world has ever known. God used him to write two-thirds of the book that I, of the New Testament that I hold in my hands this morning. Now, how often, how often do you think he wrestled with his past? I've never killed anybody. I've never been complicit in the death of anybody. But I still wrestle with my past. I can't imagine the struggles that Paul must have had with his life before Christ. But listen to me today. Paul didn't just wrestle with his past sins. Paul wrestled with his present sin. 
Again, in, in, in Romans chapter 7, at the close of, of chapter 7, that's what all of, from about verse 25 on down, that, that's all that Paul talks about, is the fact that there are some things that he wants to do, that he knows are right to do, that he knows God wants him to do, but he just can't seem to do those things. While on the other hand, there are things that he knows he shouldn't do, that are wrong to do, that God doesn't want him to do, and it seems like he finds himself doing those very things. And he wrestled with that. I mean, to the point that he finally just threw up his hands and said, Oh, wretched man that I am. And folks, we're talking about the great apostle Paul. It's Paul's daily struggle with sin that we don't read there is no failure in Christ Jesus. We don't read there is no struggle in Christ Jesus. We don't read anything about there not being any wrongdoing on the part of those who are in Christ Jesus. Paul never one time said that we would never mess up or that we would never get off track or that we would never speak a hateful word again or act selfishly again or lust again or get angry again. Well, why didn't Paul say that? Because he knew from his own experience that that wasn't the truth. He knew that even in Christ, we were going to struggle. He knew that even in Christ, there were going to be times that we said things that we know we shouldn't say, and we look at things that we know we shouldn't look at, and we think about things that we know we shouldn't think about, and we harbor things in our heart that we know shouldn't be there. I think that's why Paul didn't say that there is therefore now no conviction in Christ Jesus. He said there's no condemnation. And there's a difference between the two. You see, condemnation is feeling guilty over confessed sin. Conviction is feeling guilty over unconfessed sin. Conviction is healthy, and it's holy, because it comes from above. It comes from the Holy Spirit. It's the way we get right with God and get on with our life. So listen, you need to tune in to the convicting voice of the Holy Spirit, but you need to learn by the grace of God to tune out the condemning voice of the devil. What Paul knew was true was what John wrote and I shared with you a moment ago. That if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And here's how that works. We sin, and the Holy Spirit convicts us. And we feel guilty. 
as we should, by the way. And if we can sin and not have any guilt, then we need to check and make sure whether or not we're really in Christ. We say something, we do something, we think something, and the Holy Spirit convicts us. It's, it's kind of like he pricks us is how the book of Acts puts it. It's like somebody's taking a needle and all day long and all night long, he's just... He's poking you and prodding you, and you just can't quit thinking about it. You can't get away from it, and you know you shouldn't have done that. You know you shouldn't have said that. You know you shouldn't have harbored that in your heart. And we feel guilty about it, so much so that we ask God for forgiveness, and he grants it. Did you hear that? He grants it. And at that point... Your sin is cast into the sea of God's forgetfulness. But here's what the devil wants us to do. He wants us to go try and fish it out. He keeps reminding us of what God has already forgotten. He keeps condemning us for what we've already confessed and what God has already cleansed. And at that point, we need to recall Paul's words. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. So take that devil and get out of here. Most of you are aware that that our son-in-law, Kelby, plays professional baseball for the San Francisco Giants. He's sick today, and it's a good thing he's not here. He would be terribly embarrassed by this. This is not his thing at all. But I figured it was easier to ask forgiveness than permission. <laughs> if you go to YouTube and put his name in a search box there, you'll, you'll find a compilation of highlights from the last couple of years. And you would think, by watching those highlights, that he's never struck out or that he's ever made an error. But if you Google it, Here's what you'll find. That as of the close of last year's season, he struck out over 100 times. 104 to be exact. He's made 12 errors. But then again, we've made a few errors ourselves. Have we not? We have. So his professional career has not been perfect. And there's not a person within the sound of my voice this morning whose Christian life has been perfect. But here's what God does. 
like the guy who made that video. God edits out the spiritual errors and the strikeouts, if you will, that we have confessed and that he has forgiven. And the only way, the only time that we ever remember those things is when our great critic, Satan, throws them up in our face. He loves it when we replay those things in our minds and find ourselves once again overcome by guilt. If you're one who constantly struggles with the past, I mean, you just never, you just never really feel clean. I want to try and encourage you real quick with three simple statements. I hope you'll write these down. Number one, your past sins were all paid for on the cross. Christians, stop beating yourself up for sins that Jesus has literally already taken the beating for. It's time to let go. Listen, you have been washed in the blood of his sacrifice. His blood flowed red and made you white. Your dirty rags are purified. You're clean. Your past sins were all paid for on the cross. And here's the second thing this morning. Your past does not define you. You are not your past. You are forgiven because of the blood of Jesus Christ. You are not what you did. No, you are God's workmanship Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works you are not what you did and I'll listen to me this morning you are not what somebody did to you you are loved and you are accepted in the beloved And I'd encourage you with this this morning. Your best days are ahead. Listen, every sunrise is a reminder that our God is always creating new beginnings and new opportunities. Don't miss them by looking back. Focusing on our past is like driving to work in the morning, staring in your rearview mirror. It's going to be a wreck. It's going to be a wreck. 
Listen, look ahead and remember this. You lost your past when you found his presence. Can we pray together this morning?